All right. Welcome back to The Successory Show, episode six. We have a great episode, one we've been dying to do literally all week since the idea popped up that like got bumped to the front of the list. This is The Successory Show. I am Trevor Jaffe. With me, as always, is your girl, Riley Bresnell. And I would like you to know that it is your fault. It is your fault. No, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. Okay, it's my fault. Yeah. But truthfully, <laughs> it's your fault. <laughs> this is the, we'll call this the call-out episode. We're calling you out. It's your fault. And of course, we had some questions too. We interacted. We asked about what was your favorite book and why. And there was another question you had asked as well. Um, The way that I put it was, what is holding you back from reaching your goals? And gave a, uh, like four options to choose from as to what those were. And um, jokes on you guys, it was a trick question. So all answers, (laughs) so all the answers were wrong. As always, in some (laughs) format, they tie in, the questions tie into the topic. And the the topic is, is your fault. And it's a, a lot about accountability. Uh, I was listening to a friend of mine talk about something and the mistakes he made along his journey the last couple of years and he was freely admitting they were his fault and that's really really uncommon to hear especially in our sport and powerlifting where it's great to blame your coach it's great to blame the meet director it's great to blame your lever belt or your knee wraps or you know the guy wrapping you or your handler you know whatever it all comes down to you it's your fault so anything that wasn't accomplished towards your goal in the end is your fault because what could you have done better should be the question not who to blame because that's really easy to do and if you're blaming someone you're not taking any responsibility for what has happened or what hasn't happened with a lot of cases when it comes to goal accomplishment and seeking things out so at the end of the day you have to come to the conclusion it is your fault and you have to be a little bit introspective and think what could i have done better what shouldn't I have done? What should I have done? And who do I need to bring in to make sure I get these things going? Like we always talk about having that accountability team. That doesn't mean changing everything. It just means accepting what you aren't or are doing that is pushing you further away from your goal. Yeah, I've used like the example before of, you know, if someone's sitting in traffic and they're pissed off at traffic and then they get to the gym and they have a shitty session, would you say that the reason why you had a shitty session was because you were sitting in traffic and it pissed you off? You probably wouldn't say that because that's absolutely ridiculous. Like it's not traffic's fault that you had a shitty session. It's it was your, your fault. reaction to the traffic. It's it a, how it. you're allowing. Yeah, uh, inability to control your emotions, which, hey, we're all guilty of. We all have things that trigger us and we can't control from there and come back out of it. But that's when you just need to take a moment, not rush into things. You're already late. You're already five minutes late. It doesn't mean you you skip your warm ups and rush into it and jump into it because you're five minutes late. It means you go five minutes slower. You know, start the process over again, clear the clock because that incident's behind you, and you're going from there. But most often we see this with, you know, in our sport part often we have lifters who will prep for a meet who will do really stupid things along the way. <laughs> uh, we were at the gym the other day and somebody showed up completely hungover and drunk. And it's like if he was in meet prep. He's not doing himself any favors or constantly tweaking or changing a program because we have a monkey see, monkey do kind of philosophy with our our internet culture now where we see somebody doing an exercise and think, okay, maybe I need to do that exercise without actually asking them, what is it for? What are you targeting? And then talking to your coach or whoever's running your program and saying, is this something you think I need? Because often in case, and that's what throws them off. And that's why we say it's your fault because it wasn't something you need. It's something you wanted to do or you added on top of and you didn't need it and it took you away from mm-hmm. the focus. If you're getting off the focus, if you're getting off the plan, then you're off the path. It's your fault. Yeah, I see this a lot. I'm sure Trevor does too, and pretty much every other coach that exists. Um, we see this a lot on like meet day performance. And, you know, um, if someone doesn't do as well as they want to, they'll come out and they'll be like, well, my coach didn't have a good enough plan for me. Well, did, did you follow the plan or yeah. did you, did you communicate <laughs> that maybe it wasn't effective for you? Like, um, you know, we tend to not take accountability for the fact that we don't maybe communicate the best that we should. Um, so if a, lifter is not telling their coach that it's too easy or that it's too hard or telling the coach that they were they had to skip 
three sessions this week because of whatever. And if you're not communicating those things, how is your supposed how is your coach supposed to know that it was too easy or that it was too hard or that you're not getting anything from the movement or that the movement hurts? Like if you're not telling anyone this except keeping it in your head, it's your fault why you're not progressing or why that movement is going backwards or literally how terrible your meat went like that that is all up to you um you know it's not the judge's fault that they called you for squat depth that's your fault for not squatting to depth or to the depth that they thought should be there um you know if you were pissed off that you got a long press command it's because your bench isn't stable enough and you're not pausing your bench long enough in training so like anything on meat day you can fire back with all the excuses in the world as to why you know you aren't being held accountable for having a shittier total or having a bad day or going three for three or excuse me, three for nine or bombing out. But those all come back to you. Like that is, it is literally your fault why you did not perform as well as you want to. It's not your coaches, not the judges, not your friends, not anything. Um, you know, we use the uh, excuse a lot of like, well, my friends, my friends went out to eat. So I went out to eat and went off diet. And then I spent the whole weekend binging because I went out to eat once and my friends got me off my diet. Your friends didn't force you to get off your diet. Right. You chose to get off they your diet. They asked you to come out. You chose to make that decision. Yeah, yeah. That's on you. That's not your friends. Yeah. So if you're choosing to make that uh, decision, that's ultimately up to you. Your friend didn't force you, drag you out of the house by your hair and like tell you that you have to come out to eat and to go off your macros and whatever. No one did that. You made the choice. You could have said, no, sorry, I can't. I'm in meat prep or I'm really focused on this goal. Um, but you didn't. And like, sometimes that's okay. You know, if you go off, if you go off program or if you go off your diet, like everyone does that every now and again. Um, and it's not that big of a deal, but it's taking accountability for the fact that you actively chose to do those things and you have to deal with the repercussions of that. And the most important is understanding is you actually chose the goal. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of people lose things. It's like, well, I didn't have a good enough plan or I didn't do the exercises I need. It's like, that's complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> you chose the goal, but you also chose to stay up late. You chose to party. You chose to drink. You chose to skip a training day. You chose to cut out your accessories. You chose to skip your warm up. You chose to do half of what's written, where you chose to add 37 different things that weren't on your program. Those were all your choices. So when we say it's your fault, it truly is your fault because the plan was dictated for you. You literally just have to plug and play and follow it to the best of your ability. And if that was the best of your ability, again, it's your fault. I feel so repetitive. <laughs> but at the same time, it's true. And it, that's where we really struggle is, okay, you've chosen a goal. That means you're choosing to be better. Mm-hmm. And it's a balance. It means you have to give up something on the other side to get to this side. You can't have everything, you know, you don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You've got to give up the cake if you want that, something else. So that's your choice as well, which means anything that doesn't happen that dissuades you from the goal is your fault because you chose it. And that's really, really hard for people to understand. And that doesn't just apply to powerlifting program. It doesn't just apply to sport. It really applies to success in life. Mm -hmm. If you chose to sleep in past the alarm, then you're behind all day. You started the day that way you chose that. If you you choose not to prep your food or shop for things, your diet's not gonna go well, you chose not to lose weight this week. Mm -hmm. If you choose to hang out all day with your friends and miss meals and party and be on a boat and drink, don't expect the next week to follow up to go great with that in the gym either in life. You know, these, these are the people, and I always say, uh, I'm sorry if this offends anyone. I know a lot of you are gamers. If you have a great Xbox score, you probably have a shitty total. Because that's how I look at it. Because the people who play Xbox, and it's not a knock on Xbox, I own Microsoft stock, keep buying more. <laughs> but if you are one of those like all night gamers, 
you can't expect to perform the next day after you've been up all night. And that just doesn't apply to just your platform total. That applies to your life. If you want to get ahead in life, your boss isn't looking at you as a responsible type if you're coming in with dark circles under your eyes 15 minutes late because you were up all night playing Xbox. So if you want to proceed in life, you have to make some sacrifices elsewhere because you're choosing what matters more to you. You know, I choose to work seven days a week. I choose to get up at a certain time each day. I choose to shut my phone off at a certain time each day so we can spend quality time doing it, which I suck at. I need to do better. That's my fault. <laughs> I also told Riley before we got on this that it was my fault that her bench doesn't progress as much because I chose the wrong accessory movement. That was on me. <laughs> and I freely admit that I chose the wrong movement, but I, I know that in hindsight, in retrospective. So that's important to acknowledge. If you can admit to yourself when it's your fault, you'll progress. Uh, going back to the whole like choosing the goal thing, this is also important in um, adherence to the goal. Is you maybe you're choosing the wrong goal. Like if you're oh, considering, yeah. or if you're consistently not doing the things that get you towards the goal that you chose, like Trevor's talking about. Like if you're consistently going off program or sleeping in or skipping your accessories or whatever it is, like maybe that goal is not the right one for you. And you should probably ask yourself, like, why do I want this goal? Like, what is what is the purpose behind this goal that I've chosen? Is it something that I actually want? Or is it something that I think that I should want based off of my friends, my family, um, social media, whatever? Like, so if you're consistently not trying and striving for that goal, there's probably a disconnect there between what it is that you actually want and like what it is that you wrote down for yourself to do. Um, if I'm not excited about a goal or if I don't really care about a goal, I'm probably not going to actively work towards that goal because I don't really give a shit about it, you know? So I have to be really, really honest with the things that I want. And so, you know, if I write down like some arbitrary total number and it maybe it's not one that I even really care about, but it's something that I think that I should care about because my friends told me or because that's what I should be doing as a power lifter. And if I don't actually care about reaching that goal, I'm not gonna do the extra steps. I'm not going to pay attention to my nutrition. I'm not gonna work harder in the gym. I'm not gonna schedule my life around the gym. Like, so if I want that thing, I will do everything in my power to change for it. But if I don't want that thing, I'm gonna do everything I can to fail at it in order to just have a scapegoat and be like, oh, well, I, I just couldn't do it. That's sabotage. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, that comes from, we talked about on other podcasts smart goals mm -hmm. it was you know choosing wise goals that were realistic and time relatable and measurable and stuff like that but this really comes down to desirable goals if you mm -hmm. don't actually desire the goal you are not going to desire to do the work that it requires either and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's sport or life if it doesn't mean enough to you like riley's saying you're not going to do what's taking necessary you're just telling people this is a wish and uh my mother she's crazy but she always used to remind me to wish in one hand and shit in the other and see which one fills up first and thankfully i never shit in my hand but <laughs> <laughs> It's not Maybe. recommended. No, definitely not. <laughs> Just big, in your pants. Big fan of baby wipes though, so there's a tip, there's a tip for you. Free one. <laughs> Travel with them because one ply, mm-mm. Yeah, I'm not a single ply lifter or a single ply wiper. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the important things in life. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, we're recording this on Wednesday, it's a little bit different, so we're already caffeinated because we caffeinated for the workout and then we're caffeinated again. What are you drinking? Um, I have the thermo, I guess it's just called thermo. Tropical Fire, it's, it's the Rockstar, rock right? Rockstar Thermo. I had the neon last time, so this is the Tropical Fire. Yeah. Is it tropical? It's, you know, it's a little, it's a little tropical. It's not super spicy or anything, you know. So it's not like, fire? No. <laughs> no. Tropical steam, then. <laughs> tropical steam. It's not fire. <laughs> Maybe a little smoke. Is tropical, it bringing the smoke? Uh, it's like tropical sweet. 
All right. It's really sweet. I like it. I'm I got it. the uh, Freedom IC4 Smart Energy, which I usually hate the C4s, but this one's really good. I keep wearing cases. So good. It's so good. Uh, it's just to like let everyone know, we received uh, 30... <laughs> my, my dirty little secret's out. We received 36 energy drinks today. Uh, so two cases, a case of a 24-pack and a 12-pack today because... Amazon is prime. Amazon is bay. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, you know, Trevor went over to take a picture of the energy drinks and I said, we don't have a problem. We have a solution because right. we need energy. We have the solutions for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a once-a-day habit. It's just good. Don't. Yeah. It, everyone's got something. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't stay up late. Yeah. So it's my thing. <laughs> well, and like Caffeine's my thing. to be to be fair, I don't even ever really drink a full one. Um, this is true. I usually what my mo for energy drinks is I'll open one and I'll drink anywhere from one quarter to one half of it, and then I put it in the fridge, and then like an hour later I'll open a different one because I wanted <laughs> more, <laughs> and then I will also proceed to drink one quarter to one half of that and put it back in the fridge. And then before Trevor knows it, he has a buffet of many different energy yes. drink flavors. So he just goes through and ends up drinking my halves or three quarters of my cans, and he just gets a lot of different flavors and variety. It's a menagerie. See, I have the I have the words too. Is Lachy, that right? Hill of pilification. He has said that word. <laughs> Every single day, at least once since the podcast episode to make sure that he can still say it. That you're aware of. I practice in like the bedroom. <laughs> when I'm like upstairs when taking a shower. When yeah, when you're in the shower, I'm like, what's he not a health qualification? I got this. I'm never going to lose that word. I really got it. It's a skill. It's got to be trained. <laughs> trained the skills. But, you know, it's, it's really fascinating because we're going to get to the book topic in a second here, but it's really fascinating because everyone has something that impacts their life. And we asked that question about what was your favorite book and why and something that has impacted your life and so forth because we want to know because what you're looking for when you buy a book is a solution, which is what Riley was joking about. We don't have a problem. We have a solution. We're looking for caffeine in a way that's fun and enjoyable. And we found it. We have multiple different flavors and we buy them and that's, that's our treat for the day kind of thing. It's our solution. Oftentimes when we read a book, we're looking for something very specific to help us, which is the answer to a question we may not have or knowledge to do something in a certain field, motivation, self-help, whatever it is. And we got some interesting ones. I'm gonna read a couple of them off here as brief as I possibly can so I'm not taking up too much time on there. But we got things like Extreme Ownership, which again, right up the alley, it's your fault. That's the Jocko Willing book. It is a very good book. Uh, Lone Survivor is an intense story that will put perspective into your life as far as your problems. So here's what I was cool from Justin because like, you do you really have problems? These are first world problems, like your, your life's on the line, it's not really a problem. Uh, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, very famous book. So there's another one who was obviously looking for something in life and found Search for Meaning. What to say when you talk to yourself, that is a very interesting one. Why self-talk is key to self-development, that's really huge because we've talked about that, how you rephrase things and speak to yourself, you can talk yourself into things, out of things. Um, quiet, it helped me realize being an introvert is okay and helped me grow into being one. That's really, really awesome. As an extroverted introvert, I can appreciate that. Same. The sword, the sword. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think that's actually how I say it. I'm speaking like the ghetto boys. You know, my mind's playing tricks on me. <laughs> you can tell we're caffeinated. Uh, the Sword in the Storm. Story of a boy's quest for glory and the weight of his decisions. Again, this is so far up everyone's alley. It seems like the most impactful books were kind of helping you get self-accountable. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're looking for things and being self-actualized and, you know, the decisions. And obviously everyone's looking to be better than they are, which takes process. But uh, too many... But arbitrarily have to pick the big book, 
wouldn't be where I am or who I am today without it. I don't know what the big book is. So I'm going to have to look this up, Jeff, but that's an interesting one. Unless he's referring to like the Bible or something. I don't know. Uh, the ocean at the end of the lane, Neil Gaiman, nails a child's sense of wonder and adventure and magical. So this is probably, to me, someone who's still kind of trying to find themselves and they're wondering where they're at. And rather than looking for help to get there, they want to know that it's okay to not know where they're at and they're a drifter or a dreamer kind of thing. Uh, you got, we also got like Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, which is super interesting. I find him to be very logical, even if you don't agree with him. Uh, I don't always agree with him, but you know, that's, we were talking about this before that that's often has to do with our emotions because he's dealing with analytical data and you know, it could be 30 or 40% of people. And that's the majority if there's eight categories and you're like, I disagree with that. I know people who are different, but that's, that's the data. You're just arguing with the data and it's, it's subjective to opinion, but you had interesting ones too. I was really fascinated with people who gave us fictional books. Yeah. I think most of mine that I received were actually fictional, which I think is pretty cool because my answer for the question is actually a fictional book as well. Um, like One Doorway from Heaven by Dean Koontz. I had Broken Soup by Jenny Valentine. Uh, she said I got it when I was 10 years old and it's been her favorite ever since. She's Come Undone by Wally Lamb. Um, Lonesome Dove by Larry McCurtry. The Things the things They Carried, I've only read it once, but it stuck with me. Uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I think that's my only like self-help yeah. one on here. And Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. So a lot of fiction, um, I think that... Were your answers more females or males? Um, I don't really think that that should matter. One, two, <laughs> three, four. It's 4-3. Four, 4-3, four, okay. So mine were, like, were all males except for one, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, I think, the, I think that the... like If I had to pick my favorite book... It would definitely be a fictional book because I enjoy reading like the self-help books and like the motivation books and everything. And like those stick with me and I learn those things, but I don't know that they are necessarily my favorite because they don't leave me feeling a certain way. Like I enjoy, um, I'm a little bit different than Trevor in this. Like I enjoy like art, music, creativity, all of these things, things that make me feel. Like I like color palettes because I like how different colors can make you feel different things. Um, so when I read a book, I want to be able to imagine, like I want to be able to think about that book and actually visualize it, like whatever the author is saying. So with self-development books, they're pretty like cut and dry and straightforward. Like they give you a lot of great information that you can learn from. But when I'm reading them, it's just like, it's like reading a telephone book. Like mm-hmm. It's very boring, you know? Um, and some people present it in like little bits of different ways. Like the courage to be disliked is definitely one that's always up there that I talk about liking a lot. Um, and that one is presented in a way because it's a conversation between two people and two very like polarizingly different people. And so I find that that is a little um, interesting. I have the courage to be happy that I haven't started yet. But my favorite book is um, Dark Matter by Blake Couch. Crouch? Couch? I can't remember. But it's actually, it just got sold to a, um, a movie what are the production studio? Uh, <laughs> to a production. more of a caffeine. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm struggling. Um, it just got sold to become a movie, but it's actually a really interesting book, and it's kind of like sci-fi fantasy sort of thing, um, which is very strange for me because I don't read a whole lot of sci-fi type fantasy books like that. Um, but it is about this guy who basically gets kidnapped by his multidimensional self. So his alter ego basically kidnaps him and they switch places and it is a basically a survival story of this guy trying to get back to his real life get back to his wife his kids his family his uh, work all that stuff because his alter ego self uh, kidnapped him because he wanted this other life that he had and it's it's interesting to me because it's like it shows you what 
small decisions can like really impact your life in the future. Like if he had made one minor decision 10 years ago, he wouldn't have the life that he has now, which is what the alter ego is kind of showcasing. Cause he's showcasing like if this guy had not made this decision, he would be this alter ego instead of who he is currently. Um, and it's all about how, like what you're willing to do to get your life back on track, what you're willing to do to get back the things that you love. And it like really kind of poses the question, are you happy with your current life? So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really, it was a really good book. I actually had, um, I actually talked to Stacy about this book once um, online and I had it before I left for North Carolina, but somehow in the move I lost it or something. And her and I were talking about how great of a book it was. Now she said it's one of her favorites as well. And I think like a week later, uh, a copy of it showed up at my doorstep because she ordered it from Amazon, <laughs> from Amazon and sent it to me. So thanks, Stacy. I now have another copy. Thanks to you. See, now we have to, we, I, I bombard her with like 80s movies that were fantastic that she needs to catch up on because she's younger. But Mr. Destiny with James Belushi is very much like that kind of story. You know, those small decisions have changed the impact of your life. And it, it was, that's how it starts off. He's like, if I just did this one thing this one time and it shows his, how his life has split off. I mean, he's chasing his way back. Very, very interesting. Um, my favorite book, most impactful book, is really, really lame. I'm sorry. It's not super exciting. It's not fantasy or sci-fi. It's not even self-help. Uh, I can't even read a fiction book. That's a true story. I've never in my life read a single fiction book. I don't know how I got to school, but there's a lot of movies that are my book reports. <laughs> really good. Um, the Giving Tree. The Giving Tree is one of the most well-known Shel Silverstein children's books, and it's just about being reliable, being there for someone, and always constantly giving to them, and them finding their way back to you because you're so important to them, no matter what it is you have to give. Sometimes it's just you know being an ear or being an arm for someone or helping them out of a terrible situation, but just always giving more of yourself as the tree does. And eventually the boy finds himself as an old man and all he wants is a place to sit and that's all the tree has left for him because he's giving him everything he had. But the boy is back to the tree and the tree is there for the boy still. So it just always meant something to me to be reliable to people and to constantly be someone who gives rather than takes. Um, sometimes it doesn't always benefit me. <laughs> it can get frustrating. But I always think of that first is my mindset is always to give first and receive second kind of thing. And it's important to me. And it was something that I read as a kid and I was able to read to my son when I had him at a young age. And it just reaffirmed that that's something that always brings me value, which is what a lot of people struggle with in life is what brings them value. Because we're, like, we're talking about goals. If the goal doesn't mean anything to you, you're not going to chase it. But what means value to you is what I chase, which is why I talk to as many people as I can. I give as much as I can. I create as far as content as much as I can that is helpful and coaching and guiding, including the podcast. And that's really where that stems from. It stems from at a young age and rereading it again later in life, the giving trick. Because it impacted me in that way that I should always be giving as much as I'm capable of and that it will come back to me in some form. Yeah, that's a really good one. I, I don't feel like that's an uncommon favorite. Like I feel like that's, mm -hmm. I generally think that most people that have read that book have, it's kind of stuck with them in that way. Shel Silverstein's uh, a really great author. I have uh, Where the Sidewalk Ends was always one Fantastic. that I kept yep. by me. Uh, yeah. Which is all a collection of poems. Yeah. The only poems I was ever able to read was Where the Sidewalk Ends. He makes, he just <laughs> makes it, Seuss. he makes it so interesting. And then like, I love his little drawings that are in his books as well. Yeah. Yeah, those are cool. Um, but we, all, in addition to the books, I also asked the question, um, which makes it the hardest to stick to your goals? And I gave four options of work schedule, family obligations, not enough time in the day, and not having the resources. Um, and the, by the way, all of those are your fault too. <laughs> yeah. So like I, like I said at the beginning of this episode, um, it's kind of a trick question because all of those kind of come down to how you deal with time management or mm -hmm. stress or um, how dedicated you are to a goal, which like 
just as a disclaimer, like not everyone has to be so like diehard about their goals, but if you want to achieve them, you do have to be. So it's just a level of how much value do you place on you um, achieving that goal? I know that like the whole, how bad do you want it thing is kind of cheesy within powerlifting, but it is a legitimate question. And if you don't really want something that bad, you're not going to work for it. So don't complain when someone has what you want that you weren't willing to work for. Right. Just as my disclaimer. But um, the majority of people said that the reason why they couldn't stick to their goal was work schedule. The second one was not enough time in the day, then family obligations, then not having the resources. So not having enough time in the day, um, that one is tough, and I get that now. Everyone just, has the same amount of time, though. Some just, people manage it very differently. Just to preface this, there was a, I use this example, and it's an example for myself because that's the only person I can speak from. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in college, I worked two jobs, Uh, so I was a full-time student. I worked two jobs and I, this was when I was bodybuilding. So I was training five days a week and meal prepping every single day. And I still managed to get everything done every single day. I had class from, uh, 9am until 2 to 3pm, depending on which day it was. I worked at Starbucks from, um, 4.30 in the morning until noon some days. Like one of my class, one of my days for college didn't start until one and would go until five and the other one would do 9 a.m. to three. So on the days that I had college later, I would work at Starbucks in the morning until noon. Um, and then on the days that I had class early, I would work at GNC in the evening until like 9 p.m. And then I would go train uh, at 9 p.m. or 9.30, whichever, mm-hmm. however long it took me to get to the gym. And I also was finding time to meal prep and do my cardio because, you know, that's what bodybuilders do. They do like 45 minutes of stupid fucking steady state cardio. <laughs> um, um, you can tell I loved it. And I still found time, still found time to do those things every single day. Um, I was in a relationship at that point too. And so I found time to, you know, do, uh, normal relationship things like go to the movies or go out to eat or whatever people do, you know? So whenever I hear the not enough time in the day thing excuse, I kind of hate it because I was working two jobs, getting a degree, bodybuilding, meal prepping in a relationship, uh, still seeing friends, you know, like the, those were things that I wanted to do. So I made time and I figured out a way to get all these things. Yeah. Yeah. I figured out a way to make all of these things happen. Um, you know, I do less things now, but I work seven days a week, just like Trevor mentioned, like coaching doesn't stop. Coaching is 24 seven. Granted, I only have so many days in a week that I program, but when I'm not programming, I'm working on design things or working on content, um, editing these videos and things like that. And then when I'm not doing those things, I'm programming. And then when I'm not doing both of those things, I'm reviewing videos, answering questions, uh, you know, and like we go on walks every single day. I prep every meal fresh because I'm a psychopath. Um, but what's the key to that is scheduling a structure, exactly. you know, having a structure, having a system is the key to that. So that, that's one of the things where when people say time, much like you, I, you know, I used to work in gyms and I would train people from 7am until 9pm at night, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just managed to block my time to, it was one point I was training after 9pm. I was exhausted. I was tired. I wasn't working. So I shifted it to 1pm. I would train people from 7am to 1pm, switch my shirt grab some caffeine, literally go train, go home, shower, eat, and come back and do it again to 9 p.m. and then do cardio during the night is what I used to do. And then when that wasn't working, I switched to 6 a.m., which gave me a deadline for my time. My first time was at 7, so from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., that's, that's how long I had to get it in. You know, I, I managed and made my time work efficiently as possible for me. And even now, we still do that. We have structures. We have systems. So time is the worst excuse because everyone has those same 24 hours, seven days a week. It's just a matter of how you use them, and that's the choice you make. So, again, if you don't have time, that's your fault. 
Yeah, and then the the top answer was work schedule, which this one this one gets me because uh, Hannah, I'm going to use her as an example because she's someone that I can think of that tends to normally manage her time really well. Sometimes she gets a little caught up. But Hannah um, is a videographer and she works on set for commercials and movies and things like that. Her work schedule is um, ranges from like 10 to 16 hours a day. Um, and that'll mostly be for like six to seven days straight just to get a commercial filmed or a movie filmed or whatever. Um, and she trains, I have her on four days a week right now, but she used to be five. No, she's actually on five right now. Um, but she'll be on four soon. So she still trains five days a week and she goes pretty much every time. Like, uh, you know, she hardly ever misses a session. And if she has to, she'll combine two and like, we'll cut out her accessories or like, you know, just take like the main two movements between two days. But, you know, like that girl worked like a hundred hours in like, I don't know, seven days or something. Mm -hmm. It was something absolutely ridiculous that she told me. She was like, I clocked a hundred hours in however many days. And, you know, like her performance isn't going the greatest, but she has, uh, she has some things that she has to take care of outside of her work schedule. But I have never once heard Hannah tell me that she couldn't make it to the gym or couldn't make up her gym day because of her work schedule. Um, it makes it complicated for her when she's standing on her feet for 16 hours holding up camera equipment, but yet she's still going to the gym five days yeah. a week and not making that as an excuse for herself. They're not going to be her, like you said, they're not going to be her best performing sessions, but she's banking something towards the goal because the goal means something to her. Yeah. And like most people, most people have like a stand, a somewhat similar standard nine to five kind of job and you work five days a week. Unless you have two jobs or unless you're like us and you work from home and you kind of make your own schedule. But for the vast majority of people, it's a nine to five style type job. So if you work Monday through Friday, what are you doing with your Saturday and Sunday? Or if you have, you know, Wednesdays and Saturdays off, what are you doing with your Wednesday and Saturday that make it so difficult for you to try to find time to squeeze in the things that you need to do? Like when I was working at Vitamin Shop and coaching, all of my days off from Vitamin Shop were dedicated to programming. And, you know, catching up on whatever errands that I needed to run for the week. So what are you doing to maximize your time on the days off that you have? Because I know most people probably have at least one day off a week. Um, and that day can be used to maximize for whatever you possibly need. But generally, your work schedule doesn't change week to week. I know that, like, servers have mm. a little bit different of a schedule. But they still have, like, a rough outline for when they're going to be at work. So why are you using your work schedule that you generally know? Oh, in advance in advance what it's going to be. Why are you using that as an excuse as to why you can't do something? Good one. And then family obligations. Yeah, sometimes you got to see your family. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean you can't bring food with you. doesn't mean you have to stay there for 24-7 all day. Yeah. But you see your family. You put an appearance in. I, I live seven minutes from my brother. I see him like maybe once every three months when there's something going on or it's a family thing. Mm -hmm. And then they keep us captive and hostage. But they give us cake. But they give so us cake. Nice. <laughs> and like, but we know ahead of time. And he knows the plan. And he goes, when are you available to come hang out? Instead of, hey, can you be here tomorrow? You know. Or even like simply like family obligations such as like spending time with your spouse. Um, you know, like it may, Trevor and I work seven days a week and we live with each other and it still may feel like we don't see each other that often because we're staring at a computer screen or in our phones. But like every night for an hour to an hour and a half, we walk with no phones, yep. you know? So like, that's just one hour of our day that makes us feel a little bit better about actually getting to spend quality time together that isn't focused around staring at a computer screen. Mm -hmm. So like it can be done. Like it, it can be done. You just have to prioritize how you want it to get done. Yeah. Just scheduling it. Uh, what was the other one on there? The other one. It was the fourth one. Not having the resources. Not having the resources. And that's, you know, what's funny is that's one of the reasons why you read. 
you're reading to look for the resources. And a lot of us actually have enough knowledge to get started and actually have the resources. We choose not to use them, you know, or choose not to ask for them. We've talked about this in other situations where people will go from book to book to book to book, but they already know enough to start and they don't want to course correct. They just haven't actually started. Mm -hmm. And that's not knowing enough or not having the resources. That's just not being willing to take that chance or that opportunity to do something because resources you can get. We all have Google. You can literally learn anything right now off of YouTube. <laughs> your, your phone is like such a free, like I've seen Charlie post this before where like, if you're not learning something new every day on social media with how much free content is out there, like what are you staring at? Like yeah. what are you, you know, like I learn something new every single day on social media, whether that's like something that's powerlifting related or I like, I look at a lot of marketing and like design things. So I learned new stuff there but I'm constantly learning something new every single day. There's no reason that I can say, oh, well, I, I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, you have a walking college degree in your phone here. <laughs> yeah. Literally, you can Google anything, you can look it up. And there literally are colleges that put their entire curriculum online for free. Mm -hmm. I think, is it is it Harvard? Um, uh, MIT does it as well. You will not get the degree because you're not paying them for the credits, but everything that's used in there, mm -hmm. you can actually download and read and go through. There's a site that shares like 30 different colleges and what their degrees are and that you can actually learn the material on there. So the resources is a stupid excuse because it's literally free. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the accountability, that's going to cost you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sorry for the trick question, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a... Uh, I think that's about all we have for the for the it's your fault episode because it's your fault. It's all your fault. And once you accept that, you'll be better for it. Be better. Okay. See you guys next week. Bye.